Irish Illustrated Insider is sponsored by VisitSouthBend.com. Is it time to check a Notre Dame home game off your bucket list? Has it been too long since you've soaked in the game day atmosphere in person? Whether it's for the first time ever or in a while, start planning your trip to South Bend to watch the Fighting Irish with ideas and inspiration at VisitSouthBend.com. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider, the first of two this week. Blue Gold Game Week. It's Monday, April 17th. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated, joined by Pete Sampson of The Athletic. Guys, on Saturday, we had an opportunity to speak with Coach Freeman, Coach Parker, Coach Golden. We discussed a variety of things, including Caleb Smith's retirement from from football and the potential of Lorenzo Styles on the defensive side of the ball. We'll get into all of that. Uh, But just your impressions, Tim O'Malley, of of our conversations with the, the coaches. I thought uh, it was there's the interesting difference between Coach Freeman kind of making fun of us for seeing one rep of Lorenzo Styles and making fun the other, of me, but yeah, well, and the and the other two saying we'd love to have him and such <laughs> like that because I, I, it is it is more of a story than I was going to give any credence to in that here's there's two things that have to be true he's not elevating himself at wide receiver this spring. They like Chris Tyree and Jaden Thomas more and probably Tobias Merriweather more. Otherwise they would not feel the need to find a spot to put him on the field. Yeah, I would, I would agree. I mean, I don't necessarily. Cause they're not hurting at corner, Tim. That's the, that's the part that comes to that, you know, other than injury, maybe they have corners. I just wonder how concerned they are about cam Hart going into another yeah, season. Yes. Yeah, I could see that resurgeries. Uh, and you know, it's in the best interest of the kid himself. Because he's not going to play, sure. he's not going to play wide receiver in the NFL, and he may have a shot at cornerback because it is, it is his best position. It wasn't the position that he wanted to play coming out of high school. But I, I, inter- I interrupt him. I'm sorry. I just want no. You to- don't. I, I, that, that was a, point. that point I was making was it's it's not because like oh my gosh we desperately need a corner we got to move Cam yeah. McDaniel yeah. over. It's it was yeah. like well we need to find something for this guy because it's. It can't be totally clicking a wide receiver. It can't be. Otherwise, they wouldn't bother doing that. No, no. Or, or it's the it's the freshman playing really, really well. Also. That's what's most interesting to me is like the Lorenzo Styles moving doesn't necessarily like the the most important part of Lorenzo Styles moving isn't Lorenzo Styles. It's the receivers who are still on the roster because if those guys were struggling, if they didn't think that one of the three freshmen uh, could help this year, if they didn't think that. Meriwether, Colsey, Thomas uh, were going to be very good. They they would not remove Lorenzo Styles even if he was the fourth best receiver or the right. fifth best receiver. Because remember we talked to Chancey Stuckey last year, and I asked him like, "Well, how many receivers do you need to sort of make things function?" And he said ten. Well, they don't really have ten, um, but they must feel really good about the ones that they have to to move Lorenzo Styles potentially. Um, yeah over to defense or even consider that because Lorenzo styles is still like, he's a functional college receiver. He might not be like the guy that we thought he was going to be walking out of the Fiesta bowl, but he can still help you at receiver. Um, and, you know, and Chris Tyree, when I can't remember if it was Parker or Freeman was asked just about guys who had progressed. And the first player right. mentioned was Tyree. So I think that's, that's significant as well. I do too. And I, and I think that, you know, I think there's a tendency for all of us, myself included to jump the gun. The first day we saw Chris Tyree 
in that full practice. It was it was not good, but we've heard good things about what he's done. And he caught the scrimmage winning touchdown on on Saturday. The other thing is KK Smith, who I guess can can go back to being Caleb Smith. Uh, is a guy that I think they're pretty excited about as well. Uh, I'm excited about seeing him play. Uh, and this is all, you know, in addition to the potential of Styles playing some cornerback, uh, Caleb Smith, the senior, uh, has decided to retire from football. It, it appears there are some things going on in his life that he feels he needs to deal with. I know he's engaged to be married. He talked about it multiple occasions when we first right. talked to him. So, He's got a lot on his plate and, and, you know, I'm not going to speculate any further as to what his deal is, but to, to your point, um, they must feel good about those young receivers and, you know, Merriweather, Colsey, uh, certainly Jaden Thomas, um, those guys like that. So it's uh, full engagement for Lorenzo styles instead of partial engagement. I, I think if, if you're the fourth or fifth wide receiver with freshmen nipping at your heels, and Notre Dame might just decide to play two tight ends instead of put you in there, which makes you the sixth wide receiver. That's a been there, done that, don't want to do it again feeling probably, whereas this is almost a new lease on life. Go out there. If you compete at corner and you can guard these guys that we think are better than you at receiver, yeah. we're going to play you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I mean, I don't, I think there's a tendency to look at as a negative first, but I don't necessarily think that that yeah. is the case with Notre Dame. And I do think that Chris Tyree uh, is probably making a, a bit more of an impact. You know, look, all you got to do is get the ball in his hands in the open field and good things, you know, good things should happen. So um, maybe that's all developing. Um, in terms of what else Marcus Freeman had to say, Tim O'Malley, what, what would you want to comment on? Well, I think that the, I did like, and Pete started going with this line of questioning, and I've seen some of it on Twitter, that result he was results-based competition, competition, competition last year, where now he sees the value in, look, just because the defense lost the scrimmage, did that mean the offense was ahead of the defense? No, they just happened to lose the scrimmage with a contrived scoring system, and he probably he could have seen 45 good things from the defense and 35 from the offense, for all we know, just the way the scoring system works out. So I think it's an interesting spring in they seem to have a lot of confidence in positions where we didn't necessarily think they would have confidence exiting the spring, like Al Washington and Marcus Freeman and golden on the defensive line. If they really are playing the three backup linebackers, as golden said, just to probably deflect that question a little bit, then they, then they really like their six linebackers. We already liked their corners and we're all just going to sit around and disagree on the defense, on the safeties because I, I get we've talked about this ad nauseum. I get it. I get what you mean. You have no weak links, but it doesn't mean you have more than one good player either. No, it's yeah. I I'm just so interested in the sort of like how Marcus Freeman runs the program as a young head coach and like, how do you get the coordinators to work together in the right way? And I was always interested in terms of like Clark Lee and Tommy Reese's relationship that way about like how you sort of serve the team, but like develop your own side of the ball. And I thought Marcus's quote about, you know, I'm not going to just because the defense is ahead of the offense, I'm not going to hold the defense back um, like, no, we're we're going to get better on that side of the ball and be hyper aggressive. And if the offensive line has a hard time with that, then so be it. Um, that's what spring practice is for. So I thought that was pretty interesting and in, in just how Marcus has sort of changed his um I don't know, change his thinking about like 
what he wants to see in practice from the compete results driven to more of a process driven approach. And it makes sense. Um, I think it's, it's the best way to explain. And I think the smart way to explain like the two open practices that we saw where the offense wasn't really moving the ball a whole lot. And not that he doesn't want the offense to be farther along, but like the, it, it definitely gives a clear understanding of like why the defense is so much further ahead than the offense right now. I agree with what both you guys said. And, and in fact, Pete, I, I, I believe I comment on that in our post game or post practice incident analysis about, you know, you can't, you can't hold the defense back because it's the second year with L golden. It's the defense two years in a row with a defensive coordinator. What a, what a concept. Such but luxury. Mean, yeah. I mean, it's, that's a good thing. And, and, and again, your point about, I mean, blitzing, that's good for the defense. That's the next step for the defense, but it also helps the offensive line. I mean, that's going to be one of the most, one of the yeah. greatest concerns, I guess, with a new configuration of the offensive line is picking up blitzes. So it's all good there. And, and with regard to what you said, Tim, you know, about progress-based and results-based, we've all dabbled a little bit in, in coaching on a much lower level, but can't you... I mean, you guys can relate to that too, right? You want you want to see results, man. I want to see results, but you know, it, it, at this level, and of course, with a with an entire spring to practice, it's it's easier to to look at and say, okay, progress based. But I think those comments by Marcus Freeman, this is just the evolution of a head coach. I mean, he talked through many of those things with us last year. Um, you know, sharing a lot of his thought process, maybe more than for his own good to do it, but. Um, I, I appreciate the honesty with it and it is hard and any coach, it's hard not to, to think, Hey man, I want results. And if you're not getting the re results, you don't necessarily think that you're making progress, but you actually can make progress without the results. I'm glad you brought that up because I saw Pete at the football fields yesterday in the driving rainstorm. And I will just let you know that at one point during our fourth and fifth grade practice, I decided to tell the entire defense to stand still and just let the pass rusher go at the quarterback. They just stood where they started the play because I needed some the quarterback to complete one pass because the pass rusher was all <laughs> over him so much. I was like, he needs to understand what it's like to throw the ball to someone. <laughs> then after that didn't work, I just told the rusher, you're not allowed to rush. And he's looking at me like, what? 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 So yeah. we are ahead of the game defensively and behind offensively, just like the Irish. So well, Sam, Hart Sam Hartman and Tyler Butner can uh, can appreciate being under pressure because we've seen a little bit of that this spring. But, uh, you know, I think uh, Sam Hartman apparently was with the ones as as practice concluded. He got the ball to, to Chris Tyree and um, and then and then ran it in. Uh, himself so you know I, I i we reiterated this reiterated this in the in the instant analysis but i think that you can you look like you can legitimately come out of this spring practice and say you know what we know we have sam hartman we know he's a good player there's probably a learning curve with the personnel no doubt but tyler buckner from all accounts and from what we have seen has shown some progress and that's this quarterback room is so far ahead of last year at this time it's well, that it's I mean, it's unbelievable. It's funny how two things like when we, after seeing an open, not an open, a uh, an early practice, and we wrote, man, you could tell the quarterback's room is far ahead, one, two, three, and four. 
Then, well, now you follow up with a full practice and say, man, Tyler Buckner is way far ahead of than he used to be. It became a negative on Sam Hartman. It's just, yeah. it's just the Tyler Buckner. I don't think Sam Hartman's done anything wrong. Per no, no. The thing he's done wrong is I went to a practice where the first 25 plays 11 on 11 were third and 10 situations that were manufactured. It's not like Sam Hartman put them in third and 10. I got to tell you right now, Sam Hartman's not going to complete a ton of first downs on third and 10 this year. Yeah. Neither so neither is anyone else. That's it. You could write that and you could say it a thousand times that this is the third and 10 blitz practice with exotics coming at guys that haven't seen it, but no one really takes that in of how hard it is supposed to be to get 12 yards on that play. Yeah. And on Hartman, I had heard that on Saturday, he was really, really good, like really good. Um, So that I think it's something to just sort of consider that we saw two practices. There have been 10 um, or 11 so far. 11 Saturday. Um, and some of the stuff I heard from practice 11 was he was he was the best quarterback out there, um, clearly. And some people were like, oh, here we go. This is what we're this is what the whole like Sam Hartman experience is supposed to be. So he's definitely showing some good stuff. We, we haven't seen it um in person because we've only been out there for two practices but it's definitely flashing uh at least last weekend so that's that's a positive for Notre Dame moving forward Tim comments on anything that uh El Golden and and or Jared Parker had to say um I think Parker being honest about I asked about the tight ends because I, I really do think you'll still see a fair amount of 12 package if they have healthy tight ends and if they don't you'll see less it'll be Mitchell Evans and three wide receivers I know people want to see three wide receivers and I kind of do since the tight ends are not mayor and tremble. Like I I was always 100% on board with the 12 package when the two tight ends were two of the five best weapons. I'd love to see a more wide open and up tempo. Tim, you've been asking a lot about tempo, but if they're going to be physical, like they're going to, I don't like to say this is not, not trying to make an old school approach. If you're going to hang your hat on the physicality of your offense, you're going to be working in the 12 package. And I thought it was interesting that he said it's unrealistic to think there's not a drop off at that position. Instead of just saying that, hey, no, we're, you know, we're going to remember when Manti left, they said we're going to rotate and it's going to be the same thing. Well, <laughs> you can't rotate the tight ends and make it the same thing here. So I, I really wonder where he will go post spring when they analyze everything. Hey, should we lean more on these guys on the outside? Because as Tim has pointed out many times, Jaden Thomas is can, in the slot functions as another tight end the way he plays. That that keeps your physicality and your your mantra of offensive and defensive line driven program running game and then taking shots kind of intact. Pete Parker and Golden. I yeah, I agree with that. Um I thought that you know Golden was pretty clear-eyed about where they are at safety right now, which is not not a great spot. Um, you know, I think that in a lot of ways safety is sort of safety this year is what receiver was last year. They they need to find somebody in the portal. Um, I I do think Xavier Watts will be a really good player this fall, uh, but that's kind of my my only bit of confidence at that position at the moment. So it um, I don't know if there were any other big takeaways there, but um, yeah, I thought that where the offense is going, maybe certainly less twelve personnel, and then they've got a they've got a create something uh at the safety position or find something in safety position because i think 
rolling into the season with Xavier Watts, Ramon Henderson, and DJ Brown is probably not, not an ideal situation. I think we're all in agreement on Watts having a real breakout season. Uh, I think DJ Brown, I think you can feel, you certainly can feel good about him putting him out there as a starter and knowing exactly what to do and knowing how to shift the personnel in front of him in the proper spots. Ramon Henderson, I'm not as confident that he knows exactly where he needs to be right now, but, um, you know. They seem to be, or, would you say they seem to be, though? Maybe O'Leary is confident in that. That's why he said he's yeah, not a weekly. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, with Henderson, you have the whole summer and you have August, and there's still time to to make progress. But just for those that didn't hear this mentioned in the instant analysis on Saturday, El Golden did mention that Ryan Barnes was getting a look at, at safety. I know there's been a lot of people clamoring for somebody to be moved there. I don't think, I don't necessarily think that that's a full-time move, I think, from the way he phrased it. But um, that's, that's another guy back there. Uh, I, I think his, you know, his length and his athleticism, I think plays pretty well to that, but now he, now he needs to know where to go and where to be. Um, and then transfer portal, definitely you, you need, you need something, you need somebody there, uh, preferably somebody that could go into the rotation and be the fourth guy. Yeah. Um, and well, Harper. I, yeah, I mean, I've got. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't. I just don't. He's a nickel, though, and he's a nickel. Yeah, I don't yeah. think he can. We can list him as a safety, but I think the reality is, don't you, that he's he's a nickel. That is definitely their vision when they got him. Yeah. They may no, have to no adjust, doubt. but no doubt, no doubt about it. Yeah. All right, we're going to come back. Segment two: Burning up the boards. Questions from our subscribers and readers. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Segment two, burning up the boards. Our first question is from true sophomore. Best thing about a true sophomore, guys, is that they used to be freshmen. If, in fact, Lorenzo Styles does move to cornerback, where would you anticipate he falls on the depth chart for the corner nickel rotation? It's. I think it's just way too premature to, to, to know exactly because he's only taken a handful of reps there. But, I mean, I, I get the point. I mean, obviously, Cam Hart and Benjamin Morrison – are your starters, uh, you know, somebody like at least initially somebody like styles would be competing to get past, you know, chance Tucker, somebody like that. Jaden Mickey would be, would be ahead of them. But if this, you know, if you move Ryan Barnes to safety, that opens up another slot at corner. I don't know. It's just too early to tell, but Hart Morrison and Mickey have the distinct advantage. And then he would have to probably compete with Tucker to get a, a, number two role or you know i mean you go to a dime package maybe he's involved in that uh maybe he's involved in a nickel i don't you know i don't know let me uh i'll answer this question with a question for you guys 
Lorenzo Styles plays corner full-time this year, only corner. Lorenzo Styles plays full-time receiver this year, only receiver. Which position does he get more reps? Because I think it's receiver. Yeah, I do too. I do, I do too, I do but he too. might not be better at it. No, he might not. And it, this may be a move. I mean, I don't know. Lorenzo Styles. he looks at this as a two-year move yep. to the defensive side of the ball to put himself in position to be a legitimate NFL prospect. I could try to do an NFL prospect or receiver. No, if there's 200 Kevin Austins, there's 600 Lorenzo yeah. Styles. So there's not, yeah. that's not an option. I tried to do best case scenario here before we came back from the break. That's some radio lingo. Um, if your nickels are Harper and Lewis, which if healthy, your nickels are Harper and Lewis. Yes. If your field corners are Hart and Mickey, and if they're healthy, Hart is going to beat up Mickey and Mickey will be his backup. Morrison is your boundary. I don't think Tucker's a boundary. I know Mickey's not a boundary. Lorenzo Styles could be, if he's a bo- if he takes to the boundary, a better backup option at boundary than Tucker or Mickey or a recently injured Christian Gray, who will also we love, but maybe at one hundred. And s- I, I think Christian Gray is the backup. Had he not been hurt, we all kind of liked him yeah. at that spot. And you've moved, and you've Merv Barnes, and you've moved Barnes a little bit out of the boundary. So that is best case scenario. Lorenzo Styles impresses. That's how he gets on the field a little bit, and he's still behind Morrison, of course. But it doesn't mean he would get more snaps, Pete, at corner than he would receiver. I totally agree with you. But maybe they'd be some quality snaps, and he would learn, as Tim said, two years down the road, become a good corner. And Micah Bell, and Micah Bell, I don't think he's going to walk in and become the boundary backup right away either. I don't know, man. It's like, you know, I mean, Marcus Freeman said that he said to, to Styles, there's no, what was the exact quote? I mean, there's no easy path here. He was, he was indicating that it's not, it's not a great situation. Maybe to your point, Tim, it's not a great situation for you at, at receiver either, but you know, and, and then like, I, I believe it was golden that like he, it sounded like he was waiting to see if he could have styles for this week yeah great right didn't it sound like that he did he said if the next 24 to 48 hours we right, go exactly. that route so that's exactly. what he meant so that could happen yeah but marcus freeman downplayed it and since i was asked the question i thought well okay you know you're you're downplaying it but we know that he's played more than just that one snap and then you're talking then he eventually i as i said the other day in the instant analysis i cheated with a third question but it had it had to be asked and he, and he, I mean, in terms of, you know, whose decision it was, and he elaborated a little bit upon, uh, uh, upon how Styles did a cornerback. But um, I don't know. I mean, I think it's an open-minded uh, decision to make. He was Marcus Freeman was correct when he said that people told me he was a pretty good corner in in high school. So um, yeah, he was. So you know, it's. Uh, it's an open-minded, uh, and this, these are the kind of things you do in the spring. I think it's a, I think it's a great idea. Question from DMB three forty six: With Caleb Smith's recent medical retirement, do you think Notre Dame goes after a starting caliber wide receiver in the portal? Go nope. look for one. You got to look for yeah. one, but I don't think it'll happen. Jordan Addison is there, sure. Yeah, or yeah, that. But that's, I wouldn't make that a priority. But if one was sitting there that was interested in 
Notre Dame or you had some relationship there, then yeah, you certainly would enter into that conversation. Yeah, I'd, I'd get a defensive tackle and, and or a safety before I would right. feel like you need to make a move at wide receiver. And I again, I think that speaks to the the freshman class. It speaks to probably more Tobias Merriweather than Colsey, I would think. Um, and Jane Thomas, obviously, his development and, and KK Smith coming in. And Tyree is uh, taking Tyree, taking to the position. Yes. Yep, and Tyree. So and when Pete mentions 10, you gotta remember that he doesn't have to play a lot, but Salerno is absolutely a guy yeah. to have in, in the rotation. Yeah, and they are at they are at 10. Yeah, uh, Salerno, Tyree, style if Styles is there, Colsey right. Thomas, right. Merriweather, and then the four freshmen, um, with Caleb Smith being the fourth, like the numbers are still pretty good. Um, I think that Notre Dame would be happy with that. Next question, ND Skid Squid 23. The past couple of weeks, there have been multiple comments from the Irish Illustrated crew that Notre Dame is closing the gap or improving its NIL program. Can you elaborate on specifics? I really, I really don't want to elaborate on specifics, uh, but I do have. I, I think we said a couple of weeks back we're hoping to get Brady Quinn here uh, this week or sometime in the very near future to talk real specifics about Notre Dame's fund. Uh, but just, I, I mean, I guess to summarize, we look. Notre Dame is. A lot of people always have fun about make fun about how Nordings behind the curve on a lot of things. And they have kind of been behind the curve on NIL promoting it. It wasn't until a couple months ago that Jack Swarbrick mentioned fund publicly. So, I mean, I get where I get where people are coming from there. And it's just that we're getting feedback that, okay, it's it's Notre Dame is fine tuning their approach a little bit better now. And they're going to be in a much better position as they go through this next next phase, this next cycle to be competitive. And so I'd like to leave it at le- that until we get something more definitive with an interview through Brady Quinn. Pete, you, I'm sure you've got some feedback. Yeah. I don't know the specifics of it either. Just that fund feels like their relationship with Notre Dame is like in a really good spot. Right. Um, and I'm not sure that was always the case. So that's that I think is where things are moving in a good direction. There's if, cause if I've said this a million times and I'll say it again, like Notre Dame is not going to do any better than a Brady Quinn, Tom Mendoza collective. Like right. that's as good as it gets. Um, those are two people that you want running the collective that is most closely tied with you. So I think that that's something Notre Dame can get behind should get behind and is getting behind. Um, and that's, that's all positive. And, and so now Notre Dame needs to trust the process. And the point of saying what I have said is we believe that Notre Dame is trusting the process better than they did initially. And, and I think, yeah. Yeah. I also think having other outlets besides just fund, even if it's not as publicized is a big deal too, that they are. And that fund agrees with that. I mean, you have other benefactors and other other entities can help Notre Dame's player payments for NIL at the highest level. I don't, I don't mean as a universal team level like fund does, but individual people can capitalize and Jack Swarbrick and Marcus Freeman are cooler with it than they would have been. I think that's an accurate statement as well. Question from Jim Booney, CRS. Who's the guy from spring that hasn't been talked about? that hasn't been talked about that much, but will surprise fans with his improved performance this fall. This is hard because we talk about everybody. 
Yeah, I love the question though, because I do think. Oh, I do. It's I, great. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, go ahead. I asked it. I mean, I stick with Evans because we don't talk about him as much. I just don't. I don't. There's no such thing as a non-essential tight end offense for Notre Dame, and I think Mitchell Evans is underrated. And I don't mean 40 catches underrated. I mean, boy, did you see how important those 18 catches were underrated? That type of tight end that yeah. is the fifth leading receiver, but he caught seven third downs or something like the seven first downs that mattered along those lines. Uh, I'll, I'll go with Jack Kaiser for this one. You know, we, t- we talk about him, but it's, a, it's, it's not in the same way that we're talking about Xavier Watts or Riley, Riley Mills or any ride receiver on the team or, you know, Billy Shrouth or, quarterbacks so um yeah i think that i think that kaiser will have a much more productive year than probably a lot of listeners to this podcast would just sort of naturally assume i'm going to pick two defensive players that were prominent last year um and the first one i'm going to say and i'm not saying oh this is definitely going to happen i'm just trying to answer the question i think maris leofow has a chance to take a significant step up. Last year was his first year as a starter. This will be the second go-round. We know that he's a guy that knows where to be and when to be there. Now it's a matter of technique and execution. I think, I don't know if it was Golden or Freeman that talked about I think it might have been Golden talked about him improving, coming off the edge as a blitzer. Mm -hmm. I think think Maris Leofile is in a situation where – he can take a significant step up. The other one is Jaden Mickey, because I know he's a better football player than what we saw, especially as the season ended last year. I'd like to think that Leofow and Mickey are two guys that we're not talking about a whole lot. You don't hear a lot of talk about Mickey. Hell, we were talking more about Mickey last year as an early entry freshman than we are right now, and he should be that much better. Those are two guys I'd throw out. The other one, I'd say Chris Tyree, because I think, I mean, we've talked about him. But we haven't talked about him in favorable terms. That's <laughs> good call. Yeah. The receiver. And I think that uh, you know, we always run the risk of of overreacting to snippets of practice. And I think maybe he's a guy that uh that can provide a little bit more. You guys have anybody else you'd like to mention? I Howard, actually like know, Howard Cross is probably somebody that doesn't get a lot of pub. I mean, I know we like him, but it wouldn't surprise me if he had a really, really good year, opposed to just like is a good guy on the defense. I'd like to throw this to the people listening and go to the thread on our message board to name one player and why, because I bet it would be all over the map and it's not, it can't be along the lines of like, well, they need this guy to be good. Otherwise they can't. Yeah, Jordan Batello is not up for yeah, consideration. Right. On it, this one. A, a reasonable guy. Like this is not my answer, but if, if Nana Osafa Mensa is much better than solid, then I'll be like, whoa, that's, they got something going there. And as Pete, as we keep saying, they keep building this defensive line. Well, somebody has to end up being better than solid for it to be actually good. Let's say he sets the edge. He's not Khalid Kareem as the football player, but he sets that edge. And you're like, you know what? That, that dude is doing his job every single game on film. That would be a huge thing that we don't talk about at all. Could be DJ Brown or Ramon Henderson. Those guys would fit this, an answer to this question. Now now those are two guys that they need to, to to, to fit that narrative. Holden stays. I don't think we've talked a whole lot about him. We know that he's he has some really great long-term term potential. And a guy that I we haven't talked about, but has now been mentioned a couple times by the coaches is Donovan Heinish. Uh, now I don't know, you know, how what position he's in to Probably earn a two-year thing. Team. Yeah, it might be. It might be. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I don't know that he's in position to get second team reps. 
but the name seems to come up, so he's making a bit of a bit of an impact. Those would be some of the guys that I would uh, that I'd suggest. Next from CMU Penns fan, which player interview this spring did you enjoy the most? Uh, Tim, are you gonna you're gonna vote for Jason Anye? Yeah, I'm gonna vote for Anye on that one. That was a pleasant surprise, and I didn't have to transcribe his speed. Somebody else did that for me, so that was good. <laughs> that was me, I think. How'd that go? And he was delightful. <laughs> yeah, no, Jason Anye gets is is my guy. Um, I actually was trying to prepare for all this. I didn't do. I didn't prepare well for this question. Um. I'm looking through mine again. Player interview. I'm just I just pulled up all the transcripts real fast. You know, I enjoyed that. I, I gotta quit talking about Mitchell Evans on the same podcast. I thought Mitchell Evans gave some good insight early in practice about how they were trying to kill each other and had to start getting out of those spider paths. I guess we do know Freeman has some pretty physical practices, huh? In these early springs and early August sessions, because people just talk about it every year. Or last spring, last August, and now this spring. So I I, I think Evans was one. I'm always blown away by Jadarian Price. I think that's the third time we've yeah. spoken with him. I, the level of maturity and calmness to the his delivery of his message is I mean, he's just really, really impressive. I like him a lot. I have one more. Uh, right. Pete, Pete, were you there when I asked Zeke Carell about last year at this time? I w- yeah. I, I thought that was I, I I could only ask the question because if just to paint a picture for what Zeke Carell had to go through in his interview with the media last spring, he was playing center. He was benched at guard during the previous season. Notre Dame got better on the offensive line when he got benched at guard. Jarrett Patterson was out and everybody was mad at the reasons he was playing placeholder center after being benched. For Jarrett Patterson and all the questions were, so what's it like when Jarrett comes back? And everybody was just asking him nothing about any question, had anything to do with Zeke Carell's future as a football player at Notre Dame. And then he started 13 games and he's a potential team captain of the future and has two years left. It's, I asked him about it. He's like, yeah, it was, it was, just, yeah, it was, was different. It's different. Yeah, he's good. He was really engaging. I thought he was great. Um, and I don't want to stare at a piece of paper and have dead air here. So we'll move on to the, to the <laughs> next question from Donnelly three, four, three, four with the Viper rotation, likely being Batello, Burnham and Tui Alamaka. What are you the most excited about with each player? And what are you the most concerned with uh, concerned about with each player? I think we're all excited about the potential of human sacrifice by Batello. That's always fun to watch on the football field. Um, Burnham, I think that, uh, just talking to some people, the ranginess, the wingspan, the, the fact that he was a linebacker moving to Viper and he can probably still play like a linebacker on that boundary edge. Um, and then Tui Halamaka, I just think back to the pass rush rep Pete and I always talk about where like, dude, that guy looks like he can play that position. And now they've started training him in that position as well. So I like the rotation there, but I do think Patello has to be a real player, a top 12 Notre Dame football player at season's end for us to think that Viper properly replaced Isaiah Foskey. Yeah. I mean, the, the variance in performances that Batello could kick out this fall is real wide. Um, And if he can narrow that, if he can make sort of the Gator, if he can have 10 Gator bowls, Notre Dame's in good shape. Um, But, that's that's a big ask. Um, so 
Botello is just like sort of the variance is is both exciting and concerning in terms of what he's going to bring to the table. I think Tua Halamaka will be a good number two. Burnham, I just I I sort of like him long term. I'm not sure yeah. where how many reps he's going to get this season. Um, you know, and if somebody gets hurt, then he could get a lot. But um, Burnham, to me, when I see him, I'm like, all right, he's probably another another year in the weight room um, away from being like looking like a full-on defensive end, whereas Tui Alamaka just seems like more physically put together to me. And he is. And yeah, that's why I would say to Donnelly 3-4-3-4, you know, it's Patello, Tui Alamaka, then Burnham. I feel like I don't, I feel like I really don't know what Josh Burnham is going to be. I, I, I We just haven't seen enough of them live to, to really know. I still... You know, when I walk by him, when I'm standing by a drill, it, you know, physically he's not imposing. He is he is longer than I think we think. Tim, you mentioned his his mm-hmm. length. Um, you know, Batello, I've said this in the past. I mean, there are ten there are times when he gets swallowed up by an offensive tackle, and we saw Joe Alt swallow him up recently, right, Tim? So yeah, Joe Alt's good. Yeah, Joe Alt's uh, really good. I think he's got a good chance to to be uh, near the top of our list when we. Yes. Yeah. You'll be very near. He'll be very near the top of that list. Yeah. To Alamaca. I mean, I, I, you know, I think, I think he is well positioned to make great advances in his game because he's just so strong. I don't know how, how pure of a pass rusher he'll be, but as far as holding the point of attack, he's the strongest guy of those three. I could guarantee one thing we'll see from Josh Burnham this year. Three or four special teams roles on yes. con- coverage, kickoff, return, and, and everything else. Right, and that's great. That's a good way for him to get his uh, to launch his career. And uh, but yeah, I, I agree, Pete. I you know I I just I don't know how many reps Burnham gets this fall unless it's out of out of complete necessity. Next from Moby Onion is Michael Carmody still in the mix at offensive guard? Thought I heard he was repping with the first team early in the spring, but Rudolph didn't mention him last week. Well, Rudolph didn't mention him because we didn't mention him, right? I mean, if yeah, you, a lot of it. times a coach doesn't. Sometimes coaches volunteer names, but if you don't bring it up, he may not talk about them. And is he still hurt? I mean, I, you know, to he was with the first team with the first practice, but that, that has often happened in first spring practices course, that the senior is there. Could, yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think he's still in the mix. You know, it's fair to the question. Now that I think about it, I did ask Burn. Uh, not Burn. It would be weird if I asked Burn about the guards, but I asked Joe Rudolph about the guards, and he said the battle is going on with Schroff and Coogan, and the battle is going on with Spindler and or Christophic and Spindler. And then he mentioned, of course, Tosh Baker. He also briefly mentioned Emil Wagner by name, and he never did list an eleventh name of Michael Carmody. So I think it's safe to say that. Although he might not have been on top of his mind, he's also not on top of the depth chart. Yeah, I think that's probably a fair reading of that. I would like to just throw this out here. I think the backup to the two guards, Shrouth and Christophic, is or or will be Tosh Baker. I know that's a big, long offensive guard, but I think that he, when we're when you're talking about the guys. Yeah, let, I yeah yeah I take that back. If Carmody's healthy, then I think he he's the guy. When Carmody's not healthy, I think Baker would be the next guy in. 
you think Carmody will be the the number one backup? I in good health. You're saying in good health. Yeah. I, yeah. That, see, this is why I, I said it last week. I mean, I'm not real confident past the starting five. It's hard to be written. It doesn't matter. They liked Coogan in the off season. Of course, you you had sources that said true. they liked Coogan, right? Yeah, and they they are playing him. Apparently, playing him more at guard. I don't know. It's open ended, man. I mean, we don't. I, I don't. I don't have a, a, a hard and fast uh, opinion there. Other than I think the five that we say, see now will be the starting five. Uh, yeah, I agree. But I think you make a good point about Tosh Baker because that is a Lorenzo style situation where he, they probably really like him and got to keep him engaged. But he's behind Joe Alt, and if he flip sides, he's behind Blake Fisher. Yeah. So maybe let him play guard. <laughs> I mean, what's the worst thing that can happen? A guy that size playing guard for you? He doesn't have to be. He doesn't have to be a, a great uh, pass pro guy on the edge. Uh, and he's massive. He's he's absolutely. I like the idea of Tosh Baker pulling, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah, I could see him kind of come out of firing out on an outside run like that could that would be intriguing to me if I was Notre Dame. I also like the idea of Tosh Baker staying at the program and starting at left tackle next year if Joe Alt is the fifth pick of the draft. Yeah, man, if Tosh Baker, if he is your sixth offensive lineman to me that's a really talented sixth offensive line yeah, i agree yeah, i agree i agree and i just again we haven't had an opportunity to study these guys throughout the spring but you get glimpses and you try to hone in on a guy for a moment or two and then you move on to the next guy that you need to look at and uh home in did i say home hone it's home in um i like them i like what i've seen i think there's still a lot of potential there with a big big body Next question, Scott twenty four one oh five. With the depth at defensive tackle and nose tackle, Mills he lists Mills, Rubio, Ford, Heinish, Mukum, and Aaronsberger. I think there's actually many different people involved in that one. But the point is the lack of depth at strong side defensive end and Osafa Mensa and JJB graduating. Can Brennan Vernon play strong side defensive end after dropping a lot of weight and now weighing two fifty nine? Basically, a Brendan Vernon question. Um, I'll throw out that Osafa Mensa can come back for a sixth year. So can most people. Yes. And I talked to him about that last year, and he wasn't willing to say that he'd come back yeah, for a yeah. sixth year. But, but uh, you know, I mean, I think that that would be a realistic possibility, especially if, you know, if he takes the next step in his development, he's probably not NFL ready, but he's a lot closer. Yeah. And then and that the, sixth year could take him to that level. And then they're begging him to come back if he takes that next step, too. There's a big difference if they, Tell you, please, please, please. And Cro- and Cross is in that group, and Anya is in that group. Uh, can and Brennan Mills has a weird fit defensive end. I think he can. I mean, if he is that, if if he is in that two hundred sixty pound range, that's a good that's a good size for him. That's well, you like Brennan Vernon? Why don't you Why don't you I, review the Brennan Vernon situation? That's the question. It really is about him. Well, I mean, I'm just really bullish on him. I like his makeup. I like his. His motor. Um, a lot of people are saying that, or I have heard people say that, you know, he's technique wise, he's got a ways to go. I think maybe that came out of the football office. It all kinds kind of runs together a little bit sometimes. But I mean, I like the guy. I liked him the first time I saw him. He committed so early in the process that there's a tendency to forget a guy about guys like that or to just push him down behind all the the names that that come in succession after him. Uh, but I like Brent Vernon. I'm really, I'm really bullish on him. I don't know about freshman year. That's hard. That's always hard to say, especially when they're not an early entry and we haven't seen them. 
on the Notre Dame practice field, but I like the guy. I think he's got a lot of potential. I mean, I, I could see him having a Riley Mills kind of career arc where it's like, oh, we're trying him inside. Now we're going to try him with strong side end. Eh, maybe he's better inside. Like, like the swing, he can be a swing player between those two positions. We're going to wrap up with a pair of questions that uh, address the blue gold game. Hey, are they having the, I know people have asked about a draft. Are they doing that again or what? They made a I big don't know. Um, it was, it felt like a fun place. idea last year. Maybe they just think they'd rather make even teams and get out of the game with an hour and 45 minutes of clean football. That could be possible too. Yeah. So I don't have an answer to that. We're not I invited. Think. I don't think so. We're, last year we were invited. We're not invited. This time. The most, yeah. the most interesting thing was Tyler Buckner on crutches last year. Like that was <laughs> like, what's happening here. This doesn't make it. What, it wasn't Jerome Bettis serving as the commissioner no. of the draft. Oh, okay. I thought that was kind of fun. All right. Uh, a couple of questions. Jfoot9561 asks, what can possibly be learned from watching the spring game or the spring game of Notre Dame's opponents? And then Irish Gambler asks, in what area can you learn the most from the blue gold game? Can we glean anything from the receiver secondary matchup, growth of the younger receivers, QB wide, re- uh, wide receiver chemistry, depth? Talk about I, the blue gold game, guys. I, very, I, I really believe the most interesting thing to watch is the receivers this year and the corners. Like I, I wish Christian gray was playing. It would make it even more exciting. Cause I really haven't seen him play much, but I'd like to see chance Tucker play and see if it looks like he is really taking steps. Uh, I'd like to see Lorenzo styles now play corner the entire game. That'd be fun. I think that'd be pretty important too. Um, the three wide receiver, the three young guys I want to see obviously against those guys. I think you got to get the best players out. <laughs> You're not going to play them too long. I always make fun of the blue goal game from what we can't figure out just by watching it. I mean, when I say Yanishek scored the touchdown last year and Angeli scored the touchdown and all those things, I have to say Kyron Williams, the early enrollee freshman, we watched him make a move in a phone booth where he shook two guys out of their shoes and we were both like, whoa, what was that? And I remember it took a full 15 months for him to do that again, but man, I will never forget that, actually, because he's the best player. I remember thinking, whoa, he's better than I thought he was, and he ended up actually being better than I thought he was. I love that you have a I – no, I will never forget that from the – I will never game. forget Kyron Williams making that move because then he starts – now he's still doing it for the Rams. It's – Right. Uh, I The receivers, for sure, because, I mean, w- one of the things that Notre Dame's receivers, I think, can be better at is, like, contested catches, uh, body control, how you how you adjust to a ball – that is a 50 50 type of pass. So that'll be interesting to watch. I think that how much work Kenny Minchie gets versus Steve Angeli might be kind of interesting to watch on Saturday. Um, you know, beyond that, yeah, the uh, Minnick Christian Gray would have been fun. Um, you know, I forgot Minnick's out too. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then I want to see at least. Give me give me 10 good reps of Jordan Batello versus Alt or Fisher. Um, I don't want to see Batello going against the second team tackles because that's a that's a one-on-one pass rush or run fit that like you can learn a little something or at least get an evaluation. So well, it's all just individual type stuff. And yeah. those would be the ones that come to mind for me. As it relates to you know, watching other spring games of Notre Dame opponents. And we've we've talked many times about you know this didn't didn't mean anything in the in the blue gold game, but I think you can look at individual 
I mean, just individual performances. It doesn't necessarily have to be a 40 yard play. I just want to see how a guy moves uh, it, to your point, Tim, make a, make a move like a Kyron Williams where it's like, you know, okay, that's a big time move. These, these games are just so they're so choppy and segmented that it's difficult to see anything with, with great consistency. But I do think you can see some things individually. I would, I think it would be a really, really great thing if Deion Colsey had a big day Saturday. It doesn't matter which quarterback that he hooked up with. Maybe better, I guess, if it would be Hartman. Uh, but I don't think that we've seen a whole lot of Deion Colsey standing out this spring. It would be nice to see that, um, you know, as the spring concludes. Same way with Merriweather. I think I think our general opinion of Merriweather is a little bit higher. But in, in answer to Iris Gambler's question, yeah, I think, you know, glean anything from the receiver secondary matchup. Uh, the growth of the young receivers, absolutely. Quarterback, wide receiver, chemistry, all that stuff is good, good, good stuff to look for uh, in a blue gold game depth. Yeah, I mean, you know, these are all things that you hope you can actually glean from watching it. But we don't want to, we don't want to read too much into one segmented game like this. Uh, that's why we wish we could see more full practices because so you could come out of the spring. With a much greater uh, opinion and knowledge of some of these guys. But uh, anyway, we're going to come back on Thursday, and that is April 20th. There's my bell going off again, as it was the other day. Um, April 20th, we'll have a podcast, Irish Illustrated Insider, and then we'll see you on Saturday, April 25th, for the annual Blue Gold game. Thanks for joining us. This has been Irish Illustrated Insider. Did you know that the unique O'Connell Bridge in Dublin, Ireland is the only one in all of Europe that is as long as it is wide? Discover this fascinating fact and more on the number one bus tour in Ireland, the Do Dublin Hop On Hop Off City Tour, with stops at all of the city's iconic attractions including crossing the famous O'Connell Bridge. You won't want to miss out. Book your city tour now at dodublin.ie forward slash Irish Illustrated.